any time that in life I've started, now you may be different, but any time in life I've started to think about things and go, now this is the perfect way and the perfect time to do it. I have never yet made it to that perfect time. It doesn't matter what I'm trying to do. It's like that perfect time never shows up. In my mind, I'm like, this would be great if this happens. And then just most of the time, it just doesn't work out that way. So what I end up having to do is figure out, well, how do I do it if it's not the perfect time? And that's what I actually want to challenge you with today. We as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be the people who are actually looking for those opportunities to share this message of hope with people no matter where God has us. And so we're going to have something a little bit different today. In Acts chapter 21, the, the words are not going to be on the screen. Um, so we have a long passage that we're going to cover. And I'm not going to read the whole thing today. I'm going to read bits and pieces and kind of walk you through this story of what's going on in Paul's life. And, but I want you to have this idea in mind of when that perfect time is to share what God has done in, in his story as we look at this today. Now, I know many of you may not have been with us uh, before today, and we're so thankful that you're with us today. So let me do my best to catch you up a little bit. Um, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church. And it has lots of characters in it, but once you get to the end of the book of Acts, it kind of focuses in on this guy named Paul. And Paul's a person in Scripture that does a lot of missionary journeys. He goes out to a lot of places, starts a lot of churches. And what you see in the rest of the New Testament, in, well, not the rest, but in most of the rest of the New Testament, are letters that Paul actually wrote back to these churches that he starts. So Paul's a pretty significant person in the history of Christianity. And where we left him off last week, Paul had made his way back to Jerusalem after one of these missionary journeys where he was starting churches. And when he got to Jerusalem he was running into trouble because what happened is people were saying that, well, Paul, who was a Jew but had also become a believer in Christ, there were people who were Jews who were actually also believers in Christ that thought what Paul was doing was telling people that they no longer had to follow the Jewish customs of the day. And so they thought Paul was going and sharing with all these people and telling them that they could ignore their Jewish heritage and they could ignore their Jewish customs. And so they were very upset with Paul. And when Paul shows back up to Jerusalem, the leaders in the church said, Paul, you need to address this, and the way that you need to do this is maybe go through a ceremonial cleansing and show them that you still believe in the law and the customs and the way that we do things. So Paul was in the midst of this ceremonial cleansing, and he was seen in the temple by some of these people who were mad at him, and they still just rallied around and gathered him and started rioting and pulled him out of the temple and accused him of all these things and were beating on him and kicking him, and they wanted to kill him. And right about that time, the guards, the Roman guards and the centurions came in and they got the people off of Paul and they pulled Paul aside and they got him away. And that's kind of where we left the story last week, kind of hanging right out there. And so they had pulled him away and in verse 37 of Acts 21, it starts like this. It says, as he was about to be brought into the barracks, as Paul was about to be pulled into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, am I allowed to say something to you? And the commander replied, you know how to speak Greek, aren't you? The Egyptian who started a revolt some time ago and led 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness. Paul said, no, I'm a Jewish man from Tarsus of Sicilia, a citizen of an important city. And I ask you, let me speak to the people. And so you have this picture of this centurion who's going, I'm trying to figure out why all these people were trying to kill Paul. And so I've pulled this guy off, and he thinks he's this assassin, but he's not. And so Paul says, well, can I talk to these people? And the guy goes, okay, well, fine, whatever, go ahead and start talking to the people. And so then Paul was given permission, and it says that Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. And there was a great 
hush. So these people who were once kicking and beating him, they, they settled down. And it says that he addressed them in Aramaic, which was a, a Hebrew language, which would get their attention. Uh, because they would be recognizing, okay, Paul's actually speaking from a Jew to a Jew in this language in a way that would connect. And he says, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the law of our ancestors. And then look at it. Well, you don't have it on the screen, but it says this. I was zealous for God just as all of you are today. So here's the picture. Paul, getting beaten by these people, gets saved by the centurion. He's on his way being taken away. Now, if I were in Paul's shoes and the police had just shown up and got all these people off of me and pulled me away, I would be going, can we get in that car? Can we drive as far and as fast away from these people as we possibly can? That would be my mentality at this point in time. But Paul, at the most inopportune time known to man, says, hold on a minute. i got to tell these people something. All these people that were just beating on me and killing me, I need to tell them about Jesus. I need to stop. I need to share my story with them. First of all, I just look at that and go, okay, now? Now's when you want to do this? Well, again, there's no perfect time. So Paul stops and he, and he shares this with them. But then he comes to that place and he says, not only is he going to share with them about Jesus, he says, I was zealous for God just as all of you are today. Now stop and think about that. Paul, if you're not familiar, before he became a follower of Jesus Christ, what he did was he went around and found the followers of Jesus Christ and he beat them. And he persecuted them, and he threw them in jail, and he even killed some of them. That's what Paul did before this point in time. So stop and think about this. What human on the planet would be able to put themselves in the shoes of an angry crowd who was jealous for their Jewish customs against someone to the point that they want to beat them to death? Oh, I know who. Paul. And so Paul from a sincere heart, because of what he had been through in life, was able to stand up in front of these people and say, I know you were just punching me in the face and kicking me and wanting me to die, but here's the truth. I understand where you're coming from. Wow. Paul knew where they were coming from because he had been in their shoes before. And even in the midst of that moment where it seems chaotic to all of us and where I know for me I would just want to get in the car and drive as far away and go, I don't want to have anything to do with these people. Paul says, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're feeling. I know what they're dealing with. And so he stops and says, let me talk to you because I know where you're coming from. And then at this point in time, Paul proceeds to share exactly his story with him. Some, something that we've seen several times. We actually saw the story come to play in the book of Acts where Paul was going around. He was persecuting Christians. He shares that with them. That he was on his way to Damascus to, to persecute more Christians. He shares that with them. And then he says, but God came and met me on the road to Damascus and changed my heart. And he shares that with them. And they're listening to him all up to this point, And they hear all of these things that are happening. Now, Paul also adds something at the end of this particular testimony that we didn't see anywhere else. And it starts in verse 17. It says, after I returned to Jerusalem, after my conversion and after my learning, after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple. And I fell into a trance. And I saw him, him being Jesus, telling me, hurry 
and get out of Jerusalem quickly. Now, that he, Paul's talking about what happened in the past. He's telling his story. He said, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And verse 19 says, but I said, Lord, they know. They know, being the people out there, they know who I was. They know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. So Paul said, I even argued with Jesus when I first came to know him that Jesus was trying to tell me to follow him this way. And I was like, God, everybody out there knows who I am. Everybody out there knows what I've done. They know everything about me. Where am I going to go? I'm not going to be able to go anything, go anywhere. I'm not going to be able to say anything. I'm not going to be able to do anything. So here's Paul standing in front of the crowd who was just trying to kill him. And this is what he's telling them. Look, this is my story. And, and I hear this from Jesus, and he tells me to go, and I'm arguing with Jesus. And then the next line that he says, he says, Jesus replied to me, he said, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And then the story said, they listened to him up to this point. They listened to what Paul said up to this point in time. And then it became, all right, I'm out. I'm out on that. That's too far. We don't like the Gentiles. We know what you've been doing. We're done. And then it says that the crowd just erupted again. They raised their voices. They were shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. Now, all the while that this is happening, the centurions is standing there still trying to figure out who Paul is and what he's done. And so he's watching Paul, and he's watching these people. The crowd erupts again, and so he takes Paul, and he brings him back into custody, and he has no idea what's going on. The person in charge has no idea what's going on. And so he's trying to figure it out, and so the next day he says, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to release you from custody, but I'm going to send you back over to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, and we're going to see if we can't figure out what's going on. So the next day... It says that they sent, he sent Paul before the Sanhedrin to find out what in the world was going on. He brought Paul down and placed them before them. And so Paul's standing there. And as he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin, Paul knows he hasn't done anything wrong. But he also gets there and some people start to accuse him. But Paul knows who's in the Sanhedrin. So Paul's now standing in front of the religious leaders. And he knows that some of them are Pharisees and some of them are Sadducees. And in today's world, I might as well have made up names and said stuff because people go, what, what's a Pharisee, what's a Sadducee? Well, basic difference is this, that the Pharisees believed in spirits, they believed in resurrection of the dead, they believed in angels and demons, they believed in the spiritual side of things. And the Sadducees believed that none of that existed. So Paul stands in front of them knowing that he's not going to go anywhere, and he says, people, I'm on trial today because I'm a Pharisee. And at that point in time, that crowd divides and starts arguing, and Paul's just standing there. Because they're arguing at that point in time about, well, maybe a vision came to him. Maybe an angel told him to do this. And so, again, nothing, nothing happens with Paul. And they're standing there and arguing, and the guy who's trying to figure out what's going on says, well, this isn't getting anywhere either. So he was scared that they're going to tear Paul apart again. So he takes him back to the barracks and just locks him up. But then that following night after all this stuff has happened, here's what it says. In chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The following night the Lord stood by Paul and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify about me in Rome. Now, I come back to my question that I asked earlier. What's the perfect time to share your story? What's that ideal time to share your story? Because there's a few things happening here. First of all, I'm not sure that I 
at any point in time would get up in front of the people who were just recently beating me and go, oh, by the way, before they take me away, I'd like to share with you my testimony right now. But Paul did that. But the reason Paul did that was because he identified with what they were doing. But then the second thing about this is you look at this whole story and I go, that just looks like chaos. It just looks like chaos at every turn. I don't see that anything got resolved. Did Paul sharing his story make a difference in anybody's life? What in the world's going on with all these things? But in the midst of that, at the very end of all this chaos, as Paul's locked in the barracks away from everybody for his own protection, not because he had done something wrong, Jesus comes to him and says, Paul, good job. Well done. And you keep heart because what you've done here, I need you to do that in Rome. And if you imagine sitting there and all of a sudden just going, oh, okay, all right. What kind of thing that sparked inside of Paul about, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. Maybe I can do this. And so I want to challenge us today of what this looks like to share our story in this culture, even though we might share it sometimes and think that it's going nowhere, even though we might share it sometimes and people <clears throat> turn us off just like they did Paul as soon as he shared that weird part of it, you know, to them, uh, that part about going to the Gentiles that they didn't want to hear, and they went, I don't want to hear anymore. And we have that happen sometimes when we're sharing about who Christ is. But I want to talk to us about why it's important. And the first thing, you got, you got to know your story first. So let me help you know your story. Because basically there are three parts to my story, there are three parts to your story that come up all the time. And, and this isn't all there is to your story, but this is, if you will, this is a formula that you can use to help you figure out how to share what God has done in your life, okay? So the first thing is this. The, the first part of your story is, I was, and you see how there's a blank on your outline and there's nothing on the screen? Because I can't fill that in for you today. That's not a blank that I can fill in. That's a part of your life and a part of your story. When you think about what God has done in my life, it, it usually begins with, well, you know what? I was lost. I was hurt. I was broken. I was mad. I was confused. I was whatever. And you can fill in that blank. And the next part of your story usually sounds like something like this, but then God did this. What did God do? God showed me. God comforted me. God sent someone to me. God helped me. God saved me. God led me. And then leads to kind of the last part of your story, which is now I, and now how is it different? So I'm not just talking about that moment that you gave your life to Christ. I'm talking about this is what sharing your story as a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Yes, there's that moment that I once was lost and now I see. But there's also things along the way that in walking with Christ and developing a relationship with him, that he continues to teach me, continues to learn, I continue to learn, he continues to shape me into the person that I need to be. And so along the way, there's some times that maybe I discover some stuff and I go, wow, I used to think this and now I think this because God did these things in my life. That's your formula. And listen to me, here's the, here's the thing about it. Only you can do that. I can't do this one for anybody. I can do this one for me and me alone. I can't even do it for my family. I can't do it for the people I love. It's just up to you. But your story is so powerful. And your story is so important because I know that some of you are thinking, I've heard some people's story and I love their story. My story, hmm, it's kind of boring, kind of different. Well, let me show you why your story is so important we talk about this, because here's the deal. There's honestly, there's never a bad time to share your story. We kind of learned that from Paul. <laughs> uh, 
Even when you think, there's no way I'm sharing there, Paul goes, hey, here's a great opportunity. Right after, let me quit bleeding real quick and share with you something. That's what he was doing. And there's never a bad opportunity to do this. But Paul was always aware of who he was sharing his story with. If you look at this, you know, Paul knew that he was sharing his story with a bunch of Jews who were zealous for their Judaism, who were, try, who were willing to kill him for what they thought he had done. So when he shared his story, he made sure to include lots of Judaism in it with this crowd. When he was in Athens, he did it different. When he was in Corinth, he did it differently. He was aware of where it was. So there's a difference between looking for the perfect time and being aware of where you are. So sometimes you just need to be aware of who you're talking to and how you're talking to them and sharing your story. But your story is very powerful. And here's why. First thing is this. You need to understand that God saved me for a purpose as much as he saved me from my past. You know, there's many times when we share our story and we say, well, God saved me from my sins and all my past mistakes and all the things that I've done, which is absolutely true. Absolutely true. But listen to me, church. God saved you for a purpose. God saved you for something, not just from something. So one of the keys to following Christ is to realize that God saved me and he's given me now something to do. And listen to me, something that only I can do. God has something that he wants you to do that only you can do. That's why I can't fill in those blanks in your life. That's why I can't share your story for you. You have to do it. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Get that picture in your head. God has prepared in advance good things to happen, good works to be done for you to do. Everything's already done for it. It's already all prepared. All you have to do is go do it. That's what this verse says. We're his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus. We're saved from our past for the purpose of doing these good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So we can share with others, not just that we've been saved from the past, but that God is doing something today in my life. God continues to work in my life today. Let me, here's the best illustration that I can give you of what it means to share your current story not only that moment when Christ saved you. And why do I say that? I came to know Christ when I was six. I am now 27 years old. 47 years old, okay? So I'm 47 years old. So 41 years ago, Christ saved me. If that's the only story I have, then what's God been doing the last 41 years? Or maybe a different way to say about it is this. I've been married 28 years. You know how often I talk about my wedding anymore? I hardly ever talk about my wedding anymore, but I'll gladly tell you how awesome my wife is, and I'll talk about her a lot, because there's a difference. I didn't just get married to a ceremony. I got married to a person who's been a part of my life from that point on, and there's a lot that's been going on in the last 28 years to share. And so when you're sharing your story, you don't just have to think about that one moment in the past that you gave your life to Christ. You can think about all the things that have happened since then, and they usually look like this. Well, I was, and then God, and now I, and you can fill in that blank. And let me tell you something. That's incredibly encouraging for other people to hear. Paul 
is the only person who could stand in front of an angry group of Jews and say, I get it. I understand where you were because he had been there. Where have you been that people can relate to? Where have you been that you're not there anymore, but God saved you from that. But he didn't just save you from that. He saved you for something because you've been through that. That's that first part of your story, that when, when you realize that, when you realize that you were saved for a purpose, then, then it's easy to follow Christ because it's not just, well, I'm saved from my past and now I just get to wait to die. No, I'm actually saved to do something, and so that gets exciting in our faith. The second thing that we realize is this, that when I follow his plan, I have his protection. When I follow God's plan, I get God's protection. Let me say it this way. When I follow my plan, I get my protection. So I have to ask myself all the time, do I want to do things my way and rely on my protection, or do I want to do things God's way and rely on God's protection? Who do I think could take better care of me, me or God? Can I just tell you something? That's always the question. That question is always the question. Do I think my way is better or do I think God's way is better? But just to think about it in a different way, I said it like this. When you follow God's plan, you have God's protection. Paul wrote about it this way in Romans. He said, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, you read that verse, if God's for us, who can be against us? And then you begin to understand that it was from a man who was threatened to be killed and beaten everywhere he went. And, he, and he, the way that he sums it up, he goes, hey, you know what? God's for me. Who can be against me? Because when you also look at all these stories, you also see that they never succeeded in what they wanted to do against Paul. He always made it out, right? What a coincidence, right? It's not a coincidence. It's the hand of God. It was God's protection. And under you're thinking, hey, pastor, if I have to have a beating to get God's protection, I'm not sure that that's what I want. Well, look, you got to look at the whole story here. That that Paul was hated by a group of people who pursued him and who were trying to attack him and who were trying to beat him down at every angle, but yet God continued to get him away and to continue to accomplish his purpose because he, Paul was following God's plan. And so even in the midst of the beatings and the difficulties, Paul was able to escape and overcome. Did it wear out Paul? I'm sure it did. Did he get tired of a few things? Yeah, but he also could see the hand of God working in his life. So look at some of the things that we saw about his citizenship. The fact that he was a Roman citizen kept him from being flogged and beaten in this situation. Because he looked at the guy, he goes, I'm a Roman citizen. And then the guy started, oh my gosh, I've, I've, I've put shackles on this man. I'm not even supposed to do that to a Roman citizen. So that got him freed. The fact that he was a Jew enabled him to be able to speak in Aramaic and talk to these people in a certain way. The education that he had from Gamaliel to be able to speak and talk in a certain way about being a Pharisee. And more things that were in Paul's past, that listen to me, that as he was going through them probably were just life and maybe not made a whole lot of sense. But that further on in this season of life start coming all together to go, oh, my word, that's what all that was for. Have you ever had that moment? Have you had that? Have you lived long enough to have that moment where you look back and go, oh, that's why 20 years ago that happened, or I made that decision, or this, it's led me to this place today. You see this happening. And it exemplified in Paul's life that he was the exact right person for God to use at that point in time. 
So listen to me. Do you know what? Do you know that you are the exact right person that God can use to accomplish his purposes today? God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. And you, because of your past, both good and bad, because of the things that you've been through, because of all that's been done, when we choose to follow Christ, he redeems those things and he uses them. And you become the exact right person to bring the message of hope and the gospel to someone else today. And only you can do it. I can't fill in the blank for you. You have to do it. And it doesn't matter if you're six or 106. God can do that through you today. And you may have heard me say this before. Another way to think about it is this. God's not putting something on your heart or he's not allowing you to see a need for you to go tell someone else that they need to do it. Most of the time when God puts a burden on your heart or you're able to see a need maybe that other people can't see, it's usually because he wants you, he wants to use you to fill that need and be the person who can accomplish his will in that. And he can redeem every past experience in your life to accomplish great things today if you're willing to let him do it. And it just brings me to the last thing I want to say today is this. And then you just need to understand that you never know the power of one encouraging word. You never know the power of just that one encouraging word. You have no idea what people are going through, the beating they're taking in life, the situations that they're facing, and then something comes along and just somebody says one thing to them that just says, okay, all right, there's a future here, there's a hope, there's something else that I can do. That's why I think that verse at the end of this is so important where God shows up and says, the following night the Lord stood by him and said, have courage, keep it up. Paul, you're doing good. Stay in it. Hang in there. Because just like you've testified for me in Jerusalem, I need you to go testify for me in Rome. So hopefully you filled in your blank by now. Look at me for just a second. Even in the midst of another difficulty, God reminded Paul that there's a future, that there's a hope, that there's more than this, that I've got something for you if you will continue to follow me. And it's amazing what that one word of hope, that one word of future, that one word of encouragement can do for someone. Just stop for a minute. Think about the last time that someone gave you a word of encouragement like that. Just stop and think about it. Maybe it changed your day. Maybe it changed your week. Maybe it changed the course of your life. Maybe you can think back to that time where you can go, golly, I was just heading in a direction. But somebody saw something in me or somebody gave me just a little bit of hope that helped me just, okay. I can rethink this. I can redo this. Do you realize that you have that power available to you every day to give to someone else? To give that one word of hope, that one word of encouragement, that one word of that there's a future. And the way that you do that is you share your story. You know what? I, I, I was hopeless like this before, too. You know what? I'm, I just started off. 20 years ago, just like you started off today. Hey, you know what? It was my first day on the job before, too. Hey, you know what? You can do that. Hey, let me just share this because I want to with this. And let me tell you what God's doing in my life, and let me tell you who I am now. That's powerful if you're willing to share that. And there's no perfect time. Even in the midst of a beating, you can turn around and go, hey, can I just tell you? I need to tell you something. I just need to let you know why I have hope and why this isn't going to defeat me either. It's because I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus?